Warning, this podcast may be disturbing to some listeners. Due to the graphic nature, listener discretion is advised. Welcome from wherever you are. This is The Demon Inside with your host, John Venom. If you want to review a different episode of The Demon Inside, you can find them on Spotify or Anchor. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. A new episode will come out every Monday. And now, to our show. We'll be right back after these messages from our sponsors. And welcome back to The Demon Inside. Hello, my Demon Insiders, and welcome back to our show. Before I start with our next case, I'd like to send thanks to all you that have supported my podcast and social media sites, especially Laura, Jesse, and my sister-in-law, Henrietta, who have been putting some work into The Demon Inside Facebook page. You guys have been doing a great job, and I'd like to thank you all personally. If you want to be a part of the group on Facebook, just go to facebook.com backslash the Demon Inside Podcast and join the conversations. Now, for those of you that think that you can come onto the page and contact demons, please don't harass anyone on my page. We do not know how you can get in touch with demons. We do not know how they can bring you fortune and fame. Uh, But if you do ever get fortune and fame through a demon, make sure you send me some of that money and I will put it to good use on some of my social media sites and podcasts. So with that being said, let's get started on the demon inside, Glenn Rogers also known as the Casanova Killer or the Cross-Country Killer. He's left a trail of mutilated victims stretching from Los Angeles to Tampa. The FBI's most wanted, hunted for five murders in five states. He's on the run, armed and dangerous. Now it's November 13th, 1995, and my brother Glenn Rogers is the most wanted man in America with state police and the FBI on his tail. Last seen leaving the murder scene in Tampa. Rogers is armed and very dangerous. And where is Glenn? He's drinking beer down the road from the family cabin. When the police spotted him, the chase was on. He rolled his window down through a beer can out on the front of my car, on the hood of my car. Uh, He then drank another beer and threw it out on the hood of my car. I was afraid that this may be a bad shootout. You know, he may decide this is the way I'm going out. The police set roadblocks on Highway 52. And federal agents picked me up to be a negotiator if Glenn got trapped and started shooting. At the time it's happening, I didn't have a lot of time to think about uh, what I was actually doing. I was mainly in shock at what was going on, at at what they thought that my brother had done and what they had planned to do to him. Come on! Come on! Let's go! 
brother was still driving the white Ford Festiva he'd stolen from Tina Marie Cribs after killing her in Florida. He pushed that little car to over 100 miles an hour before troopers ran him off the road outside Waco, Kentucky. at this is emotional for me this was a victim's car and in that car was pieces of her jewelry and earrings and there was a lipstick thing and and seeing that car made it very 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 personal glenn did you do this one-on-one talking in person alone did you do this glenn did you kill those women glenn one-on-one alone at the jail you interview me did you kill the women you hear me? Get Did you kill car. these women, Glenn? No. This was a clipping of the documentary, My Brother the Serial Killer. And what you heard was Glenn Rogers' brother, Clay Rogers, and a detective, a news reporter, and, of course, Glenn himself. I saw this news clip in November of 1995 I remember seeing his eyes it seemed like they had showed them forever but as I look at it now it was really less than a second but the darkness in those eyes has always stuck with me whenever I hear someone say that a person has dark eyes especially during anger or during a crime they say that they see this haze look this darkness in the eyes that's the look I see for me that look is a person possessed and at that time Glenn Rogers was possessed so if you take a look at that video you'll see what I'm talking about so Glenn Rogers had five victims and according to him he had more than 50 including Nicole Brown Simpson and Ronald Goldman If you have not seen the documentary, My Brother the Serial Killer, it is a good look into the life of a serial killer. Glenn would travel from state to state and kill. He killed four women that he met at bars. He would sweet talk them into letting them stay at their house, and then he would kill them. His fifth victim, which was actually his first victim, was a man who Glenn was a roommate of. And Glenn killed him to steal his roommate's stuff, pretty much. Then he took him back to the family cabin and left his body underneath some junk in the cabin. So when Glenn became a thief with his brother, they did something that I feel drew the demon into both of them. Because both of them had been stealing and they were basically stealing to survive, you know. But take a listen to this of what Clay said about him and his brother. 
The cops never had a clue about the demons dwelling inside my brother. When uh, me and Glenn were young, I had gotten hold of a deck of tarot cards, and we played with them a great deal. One night in Wayne Park up the street from here, the cards kept telling a bad story. The Tower of Destruction over and over again, the death card, terrible things that were going to happen to us. Both was very young. We'd grown up superstitious kids. We'd never gone to church, but the old-time religion we'd come from found us anyway. One time, Glenn and I got taken to the ceremony of the sin eater, where we saw a man eat food off a dead body to rid the deceased of their sins. We got to know about serpents, about Satan, demons, But Glenn and I didn't grow up praying, we grew up robbing. Maybe it ain't so surprising that when the chance came our way in our 20s, we were tempted to call up a demon for ourselves. We'd had a couple beers, so we just start, we start chanting. It was like it uncontrolled, like it kept coming faster, faster, and faster. It's like you can't shut up right and then all at once you felt it was like claws insect tentacle claws that clawed in your mouth down your throat and inside you and you could feel it and all of a sudden it just stopped i asked him about did you feel that crawl in your throat but glenn told me that he wasn't worried about the demon that came in because he figured the one that was already there would take care of it. So for me, this is undeniable proof. Proof that Glenn Rogers acknowledges that a demon was in him. Maybe the demon would kill using Glenn, or maybe he was just a passenger in the things that Glenn did. Knowing that hatred, suffering, and death would soon be near, all he had to do is connect with Glenn, and he would feed so Glenn and his brother watched a sin eater ceremony, and I'm going to explain what a sin eater ceremony is. Basically, 17th century diarist John Aubrey is the earliest source on the practice. He wrote that an old custom is Herefordshire had been at funerals to hire poor people who were to take upon them all the sins of the party deceased. This was a quote from someone who saw a sin eater in the 1800s. So here's the quote. One of them, I remember, lived in a cottage on Rosenheim. He was a long, lean, ugly, lamentable rascal. The manner was that when the corpse was brought out of the house and laid on the bear, a loaf of bread was brought out and delivered to the sin eater over the corpse and also a mazar bowl of maple full of beer which he was to drink up and sixpence in money in consideration whereof 
he took upon him all the sins of the defunct and freed him or her from walking after they were dead. So basically they would eat off of the body to free them of sin and they could pass freely to heaven. So as I looked more into it, the Aztec did this for the goddess Nahuto, which means filthy deity, also called Ixasnu or Talquani, Aztec goddess who represented sexual impurity and sinful behavior. She was probably introduced to the Aztecs from the Gulf lowlands of Huaxateca. Tizotiel was an important and complex earth mother goddess. She was a deity. A deity is what I suspect is or was in Glenn Rogers. If a demon had crawled into Glenn, then a deity that he had in him already would have killed the demon. A deity is a god or a goddess. The essential nature of our condition of being a god, divinity, which is the actual dictionary. Glenn was killing women after he would have sex with them. He was a handsome womanizer who had a slick tongue and would, with the trust of anyone, be it male or female. We will be right back after a word from our sponsors. And welcome back to the Demon Inside. In 2012 documentary, My Brother the Serial Killer examined Rogers' crimes and included claims that Rogers killed Nicole Brown and Ron Goldman in 1994. According to Rogers' brother, Clay Rogers claimed that before the murders, he had met Brown and was going to take her down. During a lengthy correspondence that began in 2009 between Rogers and the criminal profiler, Rogers wrote and created paintings about his involvement with the murders. During a prison meeting between the two, Rogers claimed O.J. Simpson hired him to break into Nicole Brown Simpson's house and steal some expensive jewelry, and that Simpson had told him, you may have to kill the bitch. In a film interviewed, Glenn's brother Clay asserts that his brother confessed his, his involvement. After I asked him that he had not sent me any specific information regarding his involvement in the O.J. Simpson case, he said, I had, you just didn't pay attention to the clues. I challenged Glenn to prove that he had actually committed the murders, that only the killer would know what the actual murder weapon looked like. And so Glenn drew the specific weapon. Now, Glenn added a twist that he never told me. A husband's anger over a high-dollar gift that had been kept by his ex-wife was behind it all. Glenn told the criminal profiler he was paid to steal back Nicole's diamonds. Can you show me a set of earrings that would cost approximately $20,000 about 20 years ago? O.J. Simpson allegedly hired Glenn Rogers to get into the house of Nicole Brown Simpson and get a pair of earrings. Essentially, 
his belief was that they were worth $20,000. Glenn told me that OJ's instructions were that you may have to kill the bitch. Those were his exact words. Glenn Rogers explained to me that he had parked his white pickup truck, a Ford pickup truck, uh, on a side street right by the side of the condo. He explained that OJ knew of a spare set of keys in the rear of the condo. The idea was that actually the murder would take place inside the home. Once Glenn got the keys, he then crouched down just past the front of the gate. At that moment is when Ronald Goldman walks through the front gate. Glenn Rogers realized that Ronald Goldman suddenly became an obstacle that needed to be dealt with. He struck him with a large knife, incapacitating him, and threw him against the tree. It was not something that I had expected Rogers to say. He said that upon her entering into the fray, he stabbed Nicole Brown Simpson once, and she fainted. He charged Goldman and pushing him against the tree where he later was found deceased. He said that he pulled her hair back to expose her neck and pulled the knife once to sever her neck to kill her instantly. OJ, anything you can tell us? OJ didn't want to, quote, get his hands dirty per se, in the crimes. Roger's family stated that he had informed them that he had been working for Nicole in 1994 and that he had made verbal threats about her to them. OJ claimed that someone named Charlie was responsible. Glenn had aliases, James E. Peters, Glenn Rogers, Glenn E. Rogers, Glenn Edward Rogers. Maybe he had one more. Maybe he had the name Charlie. The paintings that they mentioned are similar to the paintings of Danny Rollins, the Gainesville Ripper. This was one of the connections that I found between the two of them. Go on Google and look up the paintings and you decide. Is it possible that this deity was possessing them or just looking through them as a dark passenger, as Dexter would say from Showtime? They also killed five people, four women and one male. Both of these men were spree killers. The difference between a serial killer and a spree killer is the time frame. Usually a serial killer will wait for a period of time. A spree killer will not. Maybe they feel like the urge is too great for them to stop. Maybe they need to hunt. Now for me, I don't think that the Goldman family or Brown family is wrong. But I do believe that they do not want to look into the case any further. If it is true that Glenn did this, they would have to pay back the money that OJ has paid out and the court will go after the Rogers family who does not have any money. But that's not true. Because if Glenn was telling the truth, then OJ was directly responsible because OJ was the one that sent him. There is proof that Glenn partied with Nicole and her sister. And on the documentary, if you choose to believe it, Glenn stole an angel pennant from Nicole and told his mother to wear it in court. She did because she didn't know 
that it belonged to Nicole. So for me, I believe a deity, which is different from a demon, needs to be near or next to the host to take control of that host. Demons are called upon all the time by people. And they do not have to be named specifically in their, when they draw them out. You know, people use the Ouija boards or people use uh, other items to draw in that negative energy, which draws in those demons. So you don't specifically need a name. So, and, and also on that, as you know, demons will never give you their real name because a name has power. And during an exorcism, that is the one thing that exorcists always ask for is the demon's name so that they have more power over the demon to draw that demon out. A deity, on the other hand, which pretty much is a god, it would have followers that would know the deity's name it would draw its power from people praising a deity. It would draw power from people knowing who it is and being worshipped by the followers. So maybe that's why Glenn asked his brother to be at his execution so the deity could interclay. Of course, Glenn Rogers is still on death row as of today. So, because of that, it was never able to enter Clay. And Glenn Rogers, as of today, still sits on death row. He's been there for the past 23 years, awaiting his fate. So, I ask you, is the deity still with them? Being that there's no more hurting or pain, or, or what if there is in prison... Maybe they've had riots. Maybe they've had people dying in prison because of this deity. Maybe this deity is causing criminals to further hurt each other or themselves. Or did the deity leave and go with somebody else? Because there's a lot of things happening in Florida and that's where... Glenn Rogers is in the Union Correctional Institution of Florida. And if you look him up, you can actually write him a letter, which I might try to do someday. I don't know if I need any more of that craziness. I think that a deity, which is a lot stronger than a demon was actually inside Glenn Rogers. And like I said before, when it crawled into Glenn Rogers, Glenn said, I don't worry about that demon because the demon inside will take care of it because Glenn didn't know what else to call it. And think about it from the time that they were listening to these sin eaters who were eating, you know, off the courses. You're talking about an altar and people worshiping. Why wouldn't a deity be there? Why wouldn't a deity be present?
Is the deity still there? Has the deity left him? Is he a normal person now? Does he remember? Who knows all these questions, but I do believe that this deity was in Glenn Rogers and also in Danny Rawling. So whatever you believe, that's your choice, but I know what I believe. And I believe there's a lot of wickedness out there and eventually it's gonna find you. Don't forget to subscribe to The Demon Inside on Spotify, Anchor, or any other podcast directory or through our website, anchor.fm backslash The Demon Inside. A new episode of The Demon Inside comes out each Monday. Let us know what you think and join the conversation on our Demon Inside Facebook page and on Instagram. We thank you for listening and hope you'll join me next Monday for a new Demon Inside. If you enjoyed this episode, tell your friends. I'm John Venom. We'll see you next time. If I don't get possessed. The Demon Inside was created and written by James Porter. It's a production of Venomous Entertainment. Theme music, Demon Inside, is on the album Conjure One by Reese Fulber. Background music was created by Lucas Key.